0: Hello and welcome to 10x9, 9, where nine people have up to 10 minutes each to tell a true story from their own life. I'm Paul Doran and this is the 10x9 podcast. I was working with the Austin University's LGBT and BAME groups this week, an evening of stories on the theme, Awkward. We had a wonderful time and there are three stories from the event, on this podcast.
1: She said, Jay it's just to let you know that you've been awarded a medal on the Queen's Honours List. And I went into a fit
2: of laughing. <laughs> I've par- parked in the same place every time and this is to avoid that trauma that some of you might encounter when you come out of a shop or an airport or something and you can't remember where your
3: car is. Somehow in the confusion, I managed to put the pitchfork through the medicine man's hand. <laughs> It made a hissing sound.
0: So we'll hear about a royal day out that felt kind of awkward, a shopping trip that resulted in an awkward encounter, and leaving awkwardness behind to find belonging with your tribe. Okay, off we go. And at 10 by 9 we generally encourage people to stick to telling one story. But just occasionally, we get a little mini compilation. That's what Susan Morgan came up with for her awkward story. I've divided it up, so here's the first part.
2: There was that time when I attended uh, my friend's second wedding. I'd been at her first wedding too. And the first wedding was really grand. It was in an expensive hotel. There was beautiful big white uh, dress on the bride. There was gorgeous bridesmaids and page boys. And there was long sentimental embarrassing speeches by gushing uncles. Um, and of course there's nothing wrong with anything that. It's typical of a wedding, right? But, sadly, that marriage broke up, and this was round two. The second wedding, well, it was almost entirely the same, right? Big grand venue, big white dress, there was bridesmaids, there was page boys, there was even the same speeches from the very same uncles. Now, it's not for me to judge, but... (laughs) Just inside, in the privacy of my own head, I did judge. Just a little bit, right? So I thought, this is odd. Um, Surely the second time round, you'd be a bit more low-key. If for no other reason than to save a few quid, or, like, for potential, the divorce settlement... Who knows? But I said nothing. I enjoyed the time. We had a great evening, went off to bed, and the next day I jumped into my mate's car to get a lift home. And We were in England, so we were staying over. My children were quite young at the time, so my mum was at home looking after them. And she sent me a text message to say, how was the wedding? I typed back flippantly, same wedding, different man, followed by a little laugh emoji, (laughs) as you do, and perhaps you can guess the rest. Within minutes, I received a text to my phone saying, I don't think that was meant for me. Right? <laughs> yes, I had somehow sent same wedding, different man, laugh emoji directly to the bride who <laughs> received it on the way to her honeymoon, her second honeymoon terrible anyway needless to say i don't think i'm getting an invite to the third wedding (laughs) thank you
0: (laughs) thanks for that starter susan we'll hear a bit more from you later but next up is liz doherty liz works on front of house at the university and is a very well-loved figure here she is with her wonderful awkward story
1: so this is really awkward, <laughs> right? So I nearly never got there because I went to the toilet and I got locked in. So I was, I was actually pushing when I should have been pulling the door. You know, so, um, so let me tell you a story. So growing up, I was always really awkward. I always felt really awkward. Um, I didn't want to go anywhere where there was loads of people, um, naughty parties. I was always that person that was in the kitchen in the corner. Because I, I just hated it. Um, I still feel awkward. So you'll probably see me standing up here shaking. Because um, I'm that nervous. People that know me in work, I sit behind a desk. And that's my wee comfort place. Everybody's scared of me. Because I'm telling them, don't forget your cards. Don't forget your cards. Why would you forget your card?" <laughs> but <laughs> but once, once I'm away from a desk and outside, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. So, I'm going to tell you this wee story. Um, it was during COVID. I live in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm in my little happy place. I've got all these animals. And um, one of the guys in work phones me. And he says to me, There's been this really posh woman, and she's been phoning you, and you have to phone as soon as possible. So I'm thinking, yeah, right, the guys are playing a joke on us. They've got one of these lines to phone me and say, you know. So so I'm humming in hand, I'm humming in hand. So I ended up, I phoned, and um, this woman answers, and Mm -hmm. she's really posh, really posh. And I say to her, oh, um, one of the guys has told me to phone you. And um, she said, yeah, it's just to let you know that you've been awarded a medal and the Queen's Honours List. And I went into a fit of laughing. <laughs> I could not move for laughing. And she's going, this is very serious, you know. <laughs> and I'm sitting going, I'm, well, you know, I think it's these guys playing a joke on me, but thank you for making me laugh. I say, because I've been shielding for well over a year and a half, thank you for making me laugh. And if it's serious and it's real, thank you for making me laugh because it's really, it's really like, really cheered me up. So she says to me, well, I'll send you an email and you can see, like, how serious it is. And I said, well, I live in the middle of nowhere. I have no internet reception and I have no mobile reception. I will have to drive two miles up the road to get this email. And in the back of my head, I'm still thinking... No, it's these guys. They're still playing a joke on me. So I just kept laughing and laughing. So after shooting off the phone, I'm going, I am going to drive two miles up the road and see if this is the real, the real deal. So I drove up the road and there was this email. And I was to go for this medal from the Queen. But being really awkward, it, the next thing in my head was, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. It's like, my biggest thing is, what am I going to wear? I'm not a dresser-upper. So to turn up in wellies, <laughs> in farming gear, you know, sort of like, so it wasn't a, a thought that, what am I going to do here? So I told my mum and dad, and my mum and dad were so chuffed. I've never seen their faces so happy. And I'm thinking, now I've got to do it. I've got to go through with this. So then the fun began. What am I going to wear? So I went out with a friend. I got myself a jacket, trousers and a blouse. I went home and I tried them on. I don't try things on in the shop because I really feel awkward. (laughs) So I took them home, tried them on and I'm going, nope. Nope. This is not going to do. Because I'm just picturing these women all in their fascinators and their big flowing dresses and me walking in, in my farming gear. <laughs> so that was a no. So next day, I mentioned it to one of the fashion tutors. And she says, right, meet me at lunchtime. We're going on a shopping spree. So she took us down, went down Royal Avenue. We went in every solitary shop going... <laughs> And she's holding it up. She's saying, "What about this? Nope. What about it? Nope." And then she ping- picks up this really pink, sparkly top, and I'm just looking at her, and it's like, "Nope." So she said to me, "What sort of things do you wear?" I wear wellies, <laughs> jogging bottoms, everything to do just with out with the animals. So that was it. I ended up going back again with a blouse with a coat, with a pair of trousers. I got home, tried them on, nope, nope, this is, I thought, I can't do this, I really just can't do this. So the day before, I thought, right, one last go, I went to the shop, I went into the shop, I walked in, I seen a jacket, trousers and a blouse, and I thought, right, we're having that, we're having that, we having that, I'm wearing it, whatever, I'm wearing it. So took it home. I thought, nope, I'm not even going to try it on because I know I'm going to turn around and say, nope. So the day came and um, put it all on. My mum, we were only allowed to take one person with us. So it wasn't fair to take my mum and not my dad and vice versa. So my niece was over on holiday and I asked my niece, would she come with us? She said, yeah, we got there early. Because we didn't know where we were going. We couldn't go to Buckingham Palace because of Covid. So we ended up in, um, Hillsborough Castle. So we're sitting there waiting. And, um, this big Range Rover pulls up and out comes the leg. You see her coming out. The, the, the leg comes out. High heels. And next minute she's on the ground. And I sit there and go, ha! At least I'm comfortable in me, tra- <laughs> in me boots and me trousers and me jacket, you know. So there she was. She gets up and she's limping away, and my ni- <laughs> and my niece is going, Aunt Liz, that isn't really nice. But at least I'm comfortable, Lauren. At least I'm comfortable. So we go in and you sit in twos, and um, there's a little leaflet and it's telling you what everybody's getting this medal for. And the Lord Lieutenant comes in. Queen couldn't make it because of COVID. So Lord Lieutenant is, is um, standing there. And then I get shouted up. I go up. He's talking about how it is with the students not being there um, due to COVID. And then you pick up your medal, which is here. So I, um, so, so I pick up the medal and I go and sit down. So I had organised a boat to Scotland as my parents couldn't come. I organised my friend, who's a photographer, to meet us down at the River Clyde, a lovely spot in the River Clyde, to take some pictures of my parents and myself. So in the meantime, my friend had got in touch with a local newspaper to come down and do a piece on it. So when I got to Scotland and picked my parents up, Took them down to, to the River Clyde. Photographer turned up. The um, journalist turned up. For all the awkwardness that I felt, all about dressing up, everything, my dad, my dad, in his new suit, in <laughs> his new suit, telling me, you know, that how proud they were. I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Telling me, telling me how proud they were. Um, Him standing there puffing out his chest. Um, All the awkwardness that I felt just totally went. It just, like, totally left us. Um, As I said, I've always felt awkward. People, animals are my life. Animals, everybody that works in the uni that knows me, I always talk about my animals. Um... They are the ones I'm not awkward with. My parents. Um, that was the proudest day. Uh, awkward. Now crying. Um, <laughs> getting locked in the toilet. Um, so <laughs> this has been really awkward. Um, so yeah. So uh, th- so what started off is a really really awkward day. Turned out perfect. Turned out awkwardness just disappearing. Um, and I th- thought this was going to be really, really awkward tonight. And I talk a lot as well when I'm nervous and, <laughs> um, like now. So thank you very much. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much, Liz. That is a wonderful story. And I'll get that photo up on our social media channels. And if, like Liz and Susan, you've a story to tell or even just an idea for a story, then get in touch at 10 9com or contact us through our social media channels, the usual places, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. First timers are especially welcome. Okay, let's go back to Susan, who was the first speaker on the night and got us off to a tremendous start. Here's part two of her story.
2: So I have one last, my favourite awkward story that I'm going to finish with. (laughs) Yeah, you can't believe it can get worse than that. So this is about the time that I found a man breaking into my car. So the day begins (laughs) like any other Saturday morning and I'm driving to Belfast to get who knows what from the shops. I hop into the car, I switch on the radio and I turn it on to... Cool FM or something like that. And then between the tunes, there's a sponsored alert um, plan. It's a warning that there's been a spate of robberies from cars. It's um, the usual common sense stuff about, don't leave your valuables in few when you're not in the car. Don't leave your phones or your bags or your purse. Um, so, anyway, I get the far side, I park in the basement, I always park in the same spot because um, I park in the same place every time, and this is to avoid that trauma that some of you might encounter when you come out of a shop or an airport or something and you can't remember where your car is, or you've forgotten where you've parked. So I always park in the same spot. I jump out of my car, lock the doors behind me, or so thought, and I run up the stairs into the shopping area only to find on arrival that I haven't got my purse. So, now keeping in mind that I knew, um, that i just heard on the radio about not leaving valuables on display in your car, um, I knew my purse was in the passenger seat in full view. So immediately I turn on my heels and I run back down the stairs to get it. So I walk out through the sliding doors into this basement car park um, and look over at my car, and sure enough, There's a man um, standing with my passenger door open and he's rummaging around on the floor, clearly stealing my purse, which I'd left on the seat for him like a gift. So what do I do? I uh, freeze where I'm stood, I think, (gasps) right, what are my options here? One, I don't want to just stand there and let this person rob me, that would feel wrong. Two, I don't want to go behind him and tap him on the shoulder or something and alarm him or he's going to jump out and he might punch me in the face or something and I'm thinking well I'm fonder of my face and the purse um, so that's not an option. So in that split second I decide the best course of action is to go round to the driver's side of the car (laughs) and bang as hard as I can on the window hoping that that's going to startle him so he drops my purse runs away. Good plan, right? Yeah. So that's what I did. So I walked around to the driver's side of the car and I smacked the window as hard as I could. And sure enough, this man leaps out of the car and just stares at me as if I have shot him or something, like this. And in that moment, out of the corner of my eye, I notice my car, three cars (laughs) down. It wasn't even my car, it wasn't even the same model, (laughs) this poor man had just been getting something out of his own car, (laughs) so I just looked at him and I smiled and I went, walked over, got into my own car, drove directly home, (laughs) I couldn't even do my shopping, totally mortified, and I have to say, (laughs) it is one of my um, most awkward moments, and also, I would really love to hear how that man tells that story, (laughs) because I'm pretty sure he does. Thank you.
0: Isn't you have a real gift for getting into awkward situations. Thank goodness for it. And thank you for your story. Remember, 10x9 is always free and always will be, but you can support us at Patreon or make a one-off donation via PayPal. Details are at the website. That's 10x9.com. We are very grateful to everyone who has helped support us. Thank you. Now, On to our final story, and here's Campbell Killick.
3: I'm not entirely sure why my mum called me by her maiden name. She was Joy Campbell, and my dad was Tom Killick, and so I'm Campbell Killick, the guy with two surnames. (laughs) And it's caused a lot of confusion. I've grown to like my strange name, but when I was younger, I yearned for something different. I grew up watching westerns on TV, and I daydreamed of living in the Wild West, riding across the wild prairie, following herds of buffalo, and paddling on mighty rivers. Most of all, my dream involved having an Indian name. In all the movies, the good guy has an Indian name, Deerslayer, a man called Horse, Little Big Man. Dances with wolves might sound a bit precocious. I imagined a name like Tatonka the Buffalo, Takalu the Fox, or Wombly the Eagle. Because my name is Campbell, my school friends gave me the unimaginative nickname of Soup. (laughs) And when I worked in a youth club, the kids named me Lurch because I resembled the tall member of the Adams Family. But I always felt these fell a bit short of the real me. My daydreaming about the Wild West didn't help my schoolwork. Failing my exams was a shock to my family, but it didn't come as a surprise to my teachers. When it turned out I wouldn't be going to university, I enrolled at the local tech and started volunteering at the YMCA. The guy in charge told me that the YMCA was an international organization Um, with associations in almost every country. He showed me a big book that listed every YMCA in existence. And one night, when nothing much was happening, I was skimming through it. There was YMCA's in Asia. There was YMCA's in Africa. There were YMCA's in America. And then I saw it. The Sioux Indian YMCA. One B Street, Dupree, South Dakota, (laughs) 605-365-5232. The phone rang quite a few times before a drowsy-sounding man eventually picked it up. Yes, this was South Dakota. Yes, it was the Sioux Indian YMCA. Yes, real Sioux Indians, (laughs) like on the telly. Um, Yes, they would consider an application for a long-term volunteer. I was on my way. (laughs) Hookahay! A plane and a long Greyhound bus ride delivered me to Rapid City, nestled in the Black Hills of South Dakota. There, a now much more awake staff member collected me and drove me to the Cheyenne River Sioux Indian Reservation. And from the moment I stepped out of that car, I loved it. I loved the weather. I loved the landscape and I loved the people who immediately welcomed me. I was particularly fond of the old ones, elderly grandfathers, but more often grandmothers who cooked for me and cared for me and told me stories of days gone by. My job was to visit and support local YMCAs in small communities in South Dakota and further afield. Places with names like Bear Creek, Iron Lightning, Thunder Butte, and Wounded Knee. Being a full-blood Irishman, I was a bit of a novelty and quickly attracted attention. So imagine my delight when a group of kids announced they had an Indian name for me. We call you Wahumpy. Wahumpy yes that's a proper name that's a name that really fits it describes who I am and pretty soon everybody was using it parents, kids, young ones, old ones no matter where I went hey look it's Wahumpy (laughs) hi Wahumpy over here Wahumpy here comes Wahumpy One thing that I quickly realized was that this land and this tribe were strikingly similar to back at home. South Dakota is a rather dull, flat piece of land with a rock formation in one corner that gets too much attention. (laughs) Families were important to Sioux people and they were always fond of a bit of crack. It turned out that they make better fry bread than we do. There was also less fortunate similarities. The Sioux people are fiercely fortunate to a nation that's become slightly embarrassed by them. Traditional jobs have gone. Often there's not enough money and sometimes there's too much alcohol, which can lead to violence and family breakups. Too many people are dying young in tragic circumstances. It was as a result of such a tragedy that I was invited to my first and only sweat lodge. If you don't know what a sweat lodge is, think of a wake in a sauna. (laughs) A large tarpaulin tent is built, and hot rocks and water inside are used to create steam for singing and prayers. I told some of the old ones I was going, and they seemed a bit dubious. They weren't convinced by the medicine man's credentials, but they didn't make a fuss. That's not the Indian way. But it might explain why only three people turned up. With so few people, I was quickly promoted from observer to facilitator. <laughs> so my job was to transport hot rocks <laughs> from a fire to the lodge. Um, I was given a pitchfork, and the metis- as I transported the rocks, the medicine man would reach out with a deer antler and guide the rocks to the center of the lodge. It didn't start well. The fire was really hot. I was partially dressed, and the and the pitchfork was missing a prong. Somehow in the confusion, I managed to put the pitchfork through the medicine man's hand. It made a hissing sound. He, s- he said it was all right. He said. He said he would offer up the pain with his prayers. But the next day he was admitted to hospital with blood poisoning. And the old one said it served him bloody well right. Sadly, I don't have time to tell you all the details about my year out west. I haven't time to tell you about sleeping in a teepee or canoeing on the wide Missouri River. The story of my romance with a medicine woman 20 years older than me we will have to wait for another 10 by 9 when the theme is, what the hell were you thinking? All too quickly, 12 months were over, and it was time for me to head home to my own tribe. So I said goodbye to my colleagues. I said goodbye to the kids. I said goodbye to the parents. And finally, I went to say goodbye to the old ones. Well, Wahumpy, it's been fun having you here. We're going to miss you, Wahumpy. You're just like one of us, Wahumpy. There's only one thing we don't understand, Wahumpy. Why does your Indian name mean soup?
0: (laughs) Campbell, thank you so much. What a brilliant story and what an adventure. And that is pretty much it for this podcast. Check out all the 10x9 upcoming dates on our website which includes some special events over the summer, and keep in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Maybe think about giving the podcast a review or rating at a podcast app. It's very helpful if you can. And tell as many people as you can about 10x9 and the 10x9 podcast. Thanks to everyone who made this week's 10x9 happen. All the people at Ulster University's LGBT and BAME groups, especially Gail, James, and Leanne. The wonderful people at the Black Box, our home venue, the incredible and generous audience, and of course, all our storytellers, but especially Susan, Liz, and Campbell Wahumpy Killick. I'm Paul Dorn, and I'll be back with another podcast soon, but for now, bye bye.